This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Senegal are crowned AFCON champions for the first time time ever. What an incredible achievement from this really talented squad, including, of course, Edward Mendy and Sadio Mane. We also talk about Barcelona and Atletico Madrid. If you didn't see it, boy, you better get on YouTube or something and watch those highlights. It was kind of insane. FA Cup, fourth round, Juventus and Dusan Vlaovic, and of course, the Milan Derby. We're here to talk about it all weekend recap, and I've missed my man. Heath Pierce is here to talk about it all, of course. Kigo Lasso, weekend recap, and it all begins right now. Everybody, welcome to Kigo Lasso, our weekend recap. Before anything, I've missed this man. Heath Pierce, how are you, buddy? You know what? I'm doing good. I'm doing really well. It's been a while. I was on the road for a bit and it is not this, you know, it's, you know, when you talk about having your, and I'll make this short, I promise. But you know, when you talk about having your, 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 I just want to sleep in my bed again. You know, I just want to be, I want to lay my head on my pillow, all those things. Well, I've gotten to the point and maybe this is dating me because I'm getting old, but having my home studio, my mic, my podcast mic, my setup around me, the comforts of that, of of like, all your things, everything's dialed in in a way that I feel like I'm in full control. And so it's just nice to be back. It's nice to be chatting with you. I haven't talked to you in a bit, but yeah, man, life is good. Life is good. Good to have you. You have been around and traveling, family stuff, the holidays, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, it's good. It's, it's always good when you're home and you just feel comfortable in your own surroundings, especially in this day and age, right? Because, you know, our studios are in our house and we want to make sure that we feel good about it. But, you know, you look good, man. I haven't seen you in a while. I know that USMNT had a bit of a roller coaster of emotions during yes. that time, but it's yes. been good times, huh? You and Jimmy? Yeah, it's been a, it's been a lot of fun. Also for you, Peru. What's going on, man? I oh, mean, man. I, just, don't know. I, I mean, a roller coaster in the right direction versus the U.S., which is just like this constant, like what happens next. But yeah, we got a lot to catch up on. Probably not for this episode because it's a weekend uh, recap. Uh, and, and neither of the things we've talked about are from the weekend, but yeah, we got to just maybe get on a group chat or a, or a phone call. We do. And I tell you what, maybe, maybe, Hey, both, hopefully both nations will be at the world cup. Wouldn't that be amazing? Uh, that would be amazing. That hey, check this watch out, dude. Peru colors. It's, get it not, closer. A, it's not a Peruvian. Maybe it is. I, I'm trying to remember what club this was. C A P I think it says, but, uh, it's, it's the, it's beautiful. Peru- yeah. You got the Peruvian colors there. Yeah, I love if it. You, you, when they go to the world cup, I'll give it to you so, so you can rock it, <laughs> rock the colors, you know? Thank you, brother. Hey, and welcome everybody. Thank you so much for being part of the family. We are getting closer everybody to 10,000 subscribers on YouTube. And that's because of you. So thank you. So keep subscribing, share the word, spread the word, comment, engage, let us know. Uh, where you are watching from as well. We always love to, uh, you know, maximize our audience potential. What's up, Ilias? Always here as part of the family. How are you? Yes, uh, we're going to get into it, Ilias. I promise. Uh, We're very happy about Senegal. Good for them. Their first ever AFCON title. 
uh, in the penalty shootout against Egypt, who were looking for their eighth title, the most successful nation in Afghan, of course. But it was Sadio Mane, Edward Mendy and co who finally make it happen. Very happy for them. Uh, a very contentious final that ended in an extra time. Nothing came from that. Some very good performances from a goalkeeping perspective. But in the end, the penalty shootout goes to Senegal. Heath Pierce, uh, how good is that? Did you did you have them as one of the favorites early on? And are you surprised by the victory? Yeah, I mean, I had Algeria going deep. Uh, obviously, huge disappointment if you watch their lead up, obviously close to breaking a record. But uh, Egypt are always one of the favorites, as you mentioned, record-wise. And But Egypt felt like they were almost not the same Egypt uh, when, when you look at them in the way that they played in the Arab Arab Cup. and and uh, But but uh, Senegal, for sure, right? I mean, look at – every time that – it was it's funny. There was times that I was watching the game intently, and you see the quality of the players – and then there was times that I was passively watching. And then you hear the names of the players. And those are the players you hear at the biggest clubs around the world all the time. And maybe I gave them a little – I mean, I, I expected them. I, I think I had them in the final. But it, it's just like it's an all-star team. And when you look at it, it's very rare that a team on paper who is the best based on the clubs that they play on reach uh, the heights that they do. And you see it in the World Cup with Germany and others like that. But to win an AFCON with this team, who I think are clearly the favorites in every single position – uh, it's a pretty incredible feat. It was a, it was a fun game to watch, by the way. And congrats to uh, to um, Egypt for reaching the final. And it was a great run for them. And and uh, Senegal had the I, I believe it was Senegal that had the easier run to the final. Uh, but they they did a job. It was a crazy amount of saves in that game. Sadio Mane could have had three goals if not more, uh, and ends up becoming the hero in the end. Yeah, Gabaski, by the way, you got to give a shout out to him. Thirty three year old goalkeeper. Um, I would. I mean, you know, he's thirty three. Uh, from a you know respective situation it's not the youngest of goalkeepers but he definitely deserves a mention especially the things that he did against Cameroon in the previous game but look at that Senegal are champions you mentioned the talent and I think one of the reasons why not many people were going that by the way our friend Michael Lahoud did go for Senegal and 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 rightly so well done but I think one of the bigger issues here everybody and Heath Pierce is that because they have never won it before there was always that narrative where at some point they're going to stumble, no matter the talent and talent they have. Kalidou Koulibaly, Diallo, Mendy behind them. Of course, Idris Aguaya, Kouyaté, Star. Listen and to what course, you're saying. Dude, it's crazy. I mean, Sadio it's a Mane, crazy team of players. Hey, Dan, thank you so much for joining. AFCON definitely deserves more teams at the World Cup. I agree. We're going to talk about the world, the qualifiers, by the way, because both these teams are going to meet again in uh, CAF World Cup playoffs in March. And that's just like super sad as well, because, you know, it, it's kind of ridiculous, Heath Pierce, how it's so tight on. Af I mean, I go on about Conmebol, but African nations really struggle when it comes to getting to the World Cup. It's tough for them. Yeah, I mean, and you can see it there. And, and weirdly, the way that they do it is based on, I think, FIFA rankings on how they seed the teams yeah. for those playoffs. But when you look at the two teams together, you're like these are the two teams that made the final. They're also stacked, right? Like Liverpool had some huge presence here. PSG, you have some big players playing in both of these clubs. But overall, you just realize that one of these teams, after watching it, you go, wow, these are so exciting. Different styles of play, different cultures, different nations, obviously. But one of them is not going to a World Cup. And that seems problematic. And when you look at sort of the playoffs, and I think they have, is it five or six uh, spots in, in, in the World Cup? You just quickly realize for how many nations there are, how many quality teams there are, that it's kind of a shame that we're not going to have more. Having said that, 
after this World Cup, we will have more and there will be more, which will be really exciting. But you might miss out on an opportunity to see a generation uh, like we're seeing now with Senegal or or the end of a generation like we're seeing uh, or the potential end of a generation that we're seeing with Egypt. That's a good point about the following World Cup after Qatar. And by the way, a special shout out to Sadio Mane, who had two pen penalties saved in AFCON 2019, uh, one versus Uganda, the other one against Kenya. And finally, mm -hmm. he gets some redemption. But this is uh, the qualifying phase, by the way, if you're watching on YouTube, Egypt against Senegal. Cameroon, by the way, the host nation who did get third place. Abubakar rescues Cameroon with a brace at the death. That was a ridiculous game. Burkina Faso were very comfortable ahead. And, uh, you know, suddenly Cameroon came through. Cameroon against Algeria, Heath Pierce, oh, yeah. for a World Cup qualifier. How big is that going to be, by I the mean, way? I mean, almost as big as Ghana and Nigeria. And obviously Ghana and Nigeria aren't the Ghana and Nigeria of the past, but these are still... Like uh, I almost said, gigantes. These are these are giants of of of. I like African that you football. said gigantes. Yeah, but I was like, there's giant doesn't do it the same way as uh, gigantes do, and it does. And and I mean, ju you just look at the matchups, and you go, okay, Morocco, Congo. I get it. Mali, Tunisia. I get it. You want to have everybody have their chance. You're looking at, like you said, you just mentioned Burkina Faso reaching uh, yeah. and being three nil up. In the runner in the in the runners up or consolation game, they're not even in this, and so you you realize just how many good teams there are, uh, and it's it's uh, really wild uh, to think about uh, some of these big teams that we've watched for the last year, whether in World Cup qualifying, now Afcon, um, like I said, the Arab Cup. They, they, there's just some of them are are not going to a World Cup, and it's kind of crazy to think about. Absolutely, it's kind of insane. Uh, Ghana now managed by Chris Hutton, by the way, Ireland's own. Our producer, Des Norris. Uh, oh, no, he's expected to be confirmed as a new manager. Thank you, Des Norris. I'm always looking for that. But those are the World Cup qualifiers, and that was AFCON. Uh, before we move on, by the way, I just want to have a, a special shout-out. We have done. We did a few preview episodes uh, for AFCON. We had some great, great guests, um, you know, who really – any everybody, just the, the reporting and the – you know, the daily information and, and stories and narratives and stuff from the continent, from the tournament was really great. And, you know, we yell about Twitter all the time, but it was really a great place, foundation and a platform to see all these stories. Heath. I, I was very, you know, we also have to highlight the fact that there was a tragedy, you know, um, in that Cameroon game. Uh, people did die and we have to highlight that as well, because I don't think it was talked about enough. But this was a tournament at the very least, that highlighted the emergence, the importance, and the value of Africa, not just a soccer nation, but of its people. And I think it's worth mentioning. And I salute everybody that really were there uh, reporting uh, so well uh, throughout, throughout the competition. Yeah, I mean, this show was a platform for me to learn and continue to stay updated with the guests that you had. Mm. Obviously, it's unique, right? We're, we're, we're so spoiled uh, in the West with English language coverage of as much as we can possibly consume but when you get to certain countries whether europe or africa or asia it's hard to find information right when you have something like this and you have a team of dedicated people like a michael hood like our boy nigerian scams that are able to kind of give you that context and contextualize it firsthand it just brings the tournament to life and obviously um you know tragedies uh are, are something you never want to see um but to have people close to the situation and people close to the atmosphere and the excitement of the tournament it sort of invigorates me to to follow it more and search for more information and feel like I need to be part of that conversation. Obviously, a lot of that happens on Twitter and you dive in, you learn more and you educate yourself. It's a lot of fun.
Absolutely. Special shout out to Myron Mazahi, by the way. He was part of our full preview before that. Uh, he was working for the Athletic for the tournament. He was great. Uh, but everybody, well done. A great tournament. And hopefully this also means more African representation from a player's perspective. Scouts came to this game, to these games and really saw the talent. I mean, and it all ends with Senegal, who's just, I mean, it's just ridiculous, the embarrassment of riches this kind of team has. So, uh, Miguel, thanks for joining, buddy. In your opinions, would a player rather win Cup of Nations or play a World Cup? Wow. Oh, wow. Heath, what do you think? Yeah, I, I, I sort of half read that. And I was like, play it, win or win a World <laughs> Cup or play in this or play World Cup. I'm like, obviously, World Cup. But I would say the World Cup, I mean, domestic or regional tournaments, you know, I got the chance to play in the Gold Cup. I played in the uh, Confederations Cup, and those were really big. Obviously, Confederations Cup, we lost in a final to Brazil after beating Spain in the semis. It was a historic moment for me personally, but I still felt empty not going to a World Cup when I was in the final 30 and didn't make the 23. There was just this thing, and maybe it's just culturally coming from the U.S. that you always dreamed of the Olympics and the World Cup when I was a kid, and that was that was the heights, right? That was and this other stuff didn't exist in my mind until I played in them. And so I would think that's probably a universal want or a will is the World Cup is sort of the highest stage, right? Because you're rewarded for your club career. You're rewarded for everything by representing your country at the highest stage. And so I think making it to a World Cup squad or playing in a World Cup has to be sort of the 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 pinnacle, at least in my book, uh, for for a playing experience. I agree, which is why do not make it every two years there you go God, it would yep. be so much a uh, good answer good question there having said that by the way champions yeah. league is sick every single year <laughs> it's pretty that's, sick that's infantino's argument and listen it, i think i think there's an argument for that but i think it's a little bit it's different. different you have to add context different. when it comes to a national yeah. a national team i think it's a little different when it's a club situation because no matter what these teams are playing every single year so it's almost you know, uh, realistic to think that there's a club competition as well every year, which is, of course, the Champions League. But well done, Senegal. Amazing, amazing stuff. Well done indeed. All right, let's move on from AFCON today, by the way. We're just going to we're going to give you there's so much action weekend recap. We want to give you the, the big ones, the big ones. But if you have anything to comment, please uh, ask us questions. HP, yours truly will be here to answer them. But we move to the FA Cup. By the way, let's talk about the FA Cup. Uh, Des Norris results on the screen when we have them. We can't go through every single game, but there were some notable narratives, of course. Uh, Liverpool against Cardiff. The Reds uh, did uh, very well without their two main you know, stars who were in the African Cup of Nations. Harvey Elliott, by the way, what a great thing for him coming back with a bang after recovering from that injury. Tottenham beating Brighton 3-1. Spurs scored more FA Cup goals than any other club in history. 906. Man City destroying Fulham. Uh, Fulham did take the lead in that one. Zach Steffen recovers from injury in that one as well, but Man City win 4-1, of course. Everton, Frank Lampard's Everton. They look good, Heath Pierce. 4-1 against Brentford. Uh, Lampard off to a winning start. Boreham Wood, well done as well. The lowest ranked uh, team, they beat Bournemouth, so they're in the fifth round as well. Nottingham Forest, they're just killing giants for fun, knocking out the defending champions uh, after sending Arsenal packing and now Leicester City, of course. Manchester United losing to Middlesbrough once again, another season. That's five years now, Heath Pierce without a trophy. You don't think they're going to win the Champions League, which is why that's what we're saying. And, of course, West Ham and Chelsea needed extra time to beat Kidderminster and Plymouth respectively thoughts on the FA Cup 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think the exciting part for me is is the Liverpool uh, win. Harvey Elliott coming back. Uh, then you had um, I'm blanking on his name now. I'll tell you in a second when it comes back to me. Liverpool but, wise, uh, yeah, Liverpool wise. Luis Diaz, Luis, Luis Diaz, Diaz. Like, yeah. his introduction so, to England. That's right. Yeah, so when when I when I had filled in for you for the sort of uh, transfer window closing kind of recap or review. He was the talk of, of of everybody. He was the talk mm. on the internet of just like, what a get. This guy is the future. He's going to be huge. He's going to be amazing. And to see his impact right away is exactly what you want, right? Javier coming back, fan, fan favorite, horrific ankle injury uh, to score a goal. And then Luis Diaz being a contributor kind of softens the blow of the fact that you don't have your two best players who are playing in the African Cup of Nations final at the exact same, oh, on the exact same day, which is pretty crazy to me. And so I think, that's a huge boost if you're Liverpool thinking about the fact that you're going to need this many players to finish out the season and really try to go on a run. And with those players back in the squad and the motivation that comes with it, could you go on a perfect run? If mm. you go on a perfect run like they're capable of, how far can you go? How close can you get uh, to, a, to a, a trophy chase if that's the case? And I know I'm, I'm, being, I'm building on something bigger than it is, but it is a big benefit for the team uh, with those guys returning and now having uh, a couple of these sparks back in the team as well. Absolutely. So we'll see what happens. Obviously, you know, as the competition keeps uh, narrowing down, uh, the, the ones that you think are going to keep going are in there there. But uh, shout out to Boreham Wood, uh, by the way, who remained the lowest ranked side who are in the FA Cup. And this is the draw. In case you're all wondering, Peterborough United against Man City. That should be a good one. Uh, Nottingham Forest uh, against uh, or Leicester City. Uh, no, well, not Forest uh, against Huddersfield Town. Everton against Boreham Wood. So that should be a good one. And Norwich as well. Dean Smith's Norwich. Three straight hey. wins in all competitions against Liverpool, of course, in that one. Who do you have winning this whole thing, if I Man, ask you that right now? I don't know. I mean, Forrest were sick. They're, 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 they're on sort of that Cinderella run. I mean, when you bag two goals in, in like back-to-back -back minutes, it's pretty deflating. Good goals, too. Any, yeah, it's pretty deflating for any side, including Leicester City. But I look at that and go, maybe Spurs? I don't know. I mean... I, I like I just love seeing Middlesbrough as well. Their name come back. I haven't talked about them or mentioned them in a while, and that was just for some reason it's got some sort of warm, fond memories of good times. Uh, and yeah, Juninho, Ravinelli, yeah. yeah, there's some great players. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but it's tough to say, and this is the excitement. And, and there's two things I want to I want to say, and I know I'm pulling these this, this conversation west, which I refuse to elaborate on. But <laughs> Zach Steffen being magically okay bothers me. The back, the, I'm not going to talk about it anymore, but that bothers me. And then the part two is. We have this historic thing called the U.S. Open Cup, right? And it's one mm -hmm. of the oldest tournaments in the U.S. And I think right now it's a little bit sad when you see just the unbelievable nature of the FA Cup and what that could be for small communities with no hopes to, to what we saw with like some of the teams that lose in this round with the, the minio, minnows that are making it to the fourth round, the excitement that they have, the way the fans celebrate of making it this far. There's just this... There's like these micro goals and wins along the way that make it so big and beautiful that I hope someday we embrace that. And I think we're going to get to that, but it also needs to be supported by communities and regionally and then nationally that it just gives me hope that someday uh, the U.S. Open Cup could have some sort of sort of magnitude uh, across all leagues and all competitions and all levels uh, that can get to this because it's just so fun to watch knowing that every single round, no matter what, one of these big teams is going to roll out a big, their best or not their best players, and they're going to lose. And that's a pretty fun thing to watch. Yeah, no, well said. I mean, you know, that's exactly what the U.S. Open Cup needs. I mean, I remember years ago in the FA Cup, the University of uh, Bath 
were in there and they were like, you know, you want to yeah. hear those kind of stories, I think. Uh, and to your point about communities, it's the best way to build and strengthen a nation that's still developing in the soccer world, right? That's that's big, but still trying to infiltrate certain communities. There's no better way than an open competition for everybody. I think that's yeah. just an overall win. All right. Uh, we're going to keep going here. Let's talk about uh, well, we've already done the on screens. Well, we're gonna take us. Uh, we're gonna take a break, actually, everybody. We're gonna take a break. When we come back, we're gonna talk about the rest of Europe, including La Liga. If you didn't watch this game, uh, I don't know what you were doing, but Barcelona uh, winning, uh, really the best win by Xavi, I think, in this situation against Atletico Madrid. So we're gonna take a break. And when we come back, it's going to be a nice little commercial break. When we come back, we talk La Liga. We talk the rest of Europe, including a lot of shakeup going on at Serie A, of course. And some final thoughts. Heath Pierce, LME, Kego Lasso, Weekend Recap will be right back. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs and a whole lot of love, You transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, Roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome here uh, back to We Can't Recap Heath. Piers, all right, we've talked a little bit about AFCON. We've talked the FA Cup. Let's get going now. Let's discuss La Liga, Barcelona, Xavi. Of course, uh, there was a lot of action in the January transfer window. Pierre-Emerick, Aubameyang, Adama, Traore, uh, Ferran Torres came a little earlier. Of course, a lot of action there for Barcelona. Facing an Atletico Madrid where Heath Piers, we've been talking about them and now we're not so sold on them anymore and wondering whether really Cholo Simeone and Atleti should really just say goodbye at the end of the season. We were wondering about that. Well, guess what? Barcelona really exposed Atleti. And, you know, this is an imperfect Barcelona. They're not exactly the complete deal, Barcelona, but they win 4-2. Dani Alves had a drunk hat-trick. That's a goal, an assist, and a sending off. Uh, But the timeless Dani Alves scores in that one as well. Adama Traore did his thing. Uh, as many assists as he got Wolves this season, I believe. But his direct crossing from the right made sure that Barcelona got their win. And that's a big win for Xavi. Uh, Barca go fourth now. Fourth, Heath Pierce. Atleti go fifth. I think that's the biggest storylines there. And we'll talk about some other things 
uh, involved in the game. But Barcelona, by the way, have scored more headers in La Liga than anyone else, Heath Pierce. That's nine. What say yeah. you about the game? I would have thought that Benzema alone would have scored more headers than anybody in the league. <laughs> right? But I guess I was wrong. Yeah. Hey, Lou, LME, give me those those attacking signings again. Okay, Adama Traore. Yeah. Uh, Ferran Torres, that was yeah. earlier, of course. Yeah. Uh, Danny Alves as well, that came in a little later as well. And Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Okay, and you know who scored today? Danny Alves, Araujo, and Jordi Alba. Three defenders <laughs> got you uh, three of your four goals. Jordi Alba's goal, yeah. by the way. Oh, my, my gosh, God. what a banger. It was like slow motion watching it. Like you, When you see a clean strike like that, you just can't help but but uh, admire it. But yeah, three three of the four goals outside of uh, Gavira uh, being scored by defenders, which I think is kind of funny considering that they brought in all these reinforcements and every day Good we said, point. how is it that they can afford these guys? How are they paying salaries? How no. are they able to pay these wages? Well, you don't need them. You just need to get your goals from your defenders every time. And like you said, for the headers. But by the way, uh, jokes aside, best, most complete 45, first 45 minutes, uh, if not the full game, but the first 45, unbelievable from Xavi's side and just look newly motivated. And again, they haven't even integrated Traore fully into the side yet. Ferran Torres fully into the side. Yeah, uh, And they haven't even gotten Aubameyang, who I think, again, once you find, uh, once he gets into the mix of this and gets comfortable, you could see the Aubameyang of two years past uh, when he was scoring goals for fun at Arsenal. Absolutely. And Des Norris has the table here, by the way, because that's really the biggest point here. Real Madrid, um, Sevilla, Real Betis, and Barcelona now fourth, uh, which, you know, they're undefeated in the league, Heath Pierce, everybody, since December 4th. Okay, so... You know, there's been a lot of craziness going on around the club. This is a telenovela, definitely, on and off the pitch. But you have to give credit where credit is due. Xavi is building some kind of balance. This is a team that ultimately needs to make sure, because now they're in Europa, they want to get Champions League again, and right now they're in the Champions League spot at the expense of the defending champions. And this is now a worrying thing for Atletico Madrid fans, okay? You won La Liga last season, well done. But is this relationship, should it be done now by the end of the season, do you think, Heath Pierce? Should Chola, for the sake of everybody, Atleti look for a new identity? Chola Simeone, go find a new club, perhaps, that really could use your services. What do you think? And what do you think, everybody? Should Atleti look for a new manager? Simple yes or no, if you want. What do you think, Heath? Yeah, it's just, there's something about his style of play that I find it hard to think that next year or the year after, you're going to build sustainability on it without having a whole new rebuild of a team. And I think the game is shifting and it's evolving and it's growing. And I think he's just a step off of his style being able to, uh, I guess, uh, successfully do that into the future. Again, reigning champions, it's tough to say, okay, look, last year it worked, this year now the uh, project is over. I think that's a little bit harsh. Uh, and so I'm kind of confused between, uh, I'm kind of confused in that sense. But I do think if ever is a time this is the one where it kind of just looks the idea, the thoughts look fatigued, they look tired, and it's time for something new. I mean, I would, I, I don't see how uh, after this season you don't have the ability to kind of amicably make a change uh, to the future. Yeah, absolutely right. I mean, uh, I think Dan mentioned about Sevilla that you know the, the reason they turned down Diego Carlos was because they really think they have a legitimate shot at the title, and that they do, but drawing this weekend does not help. Though, you know, there is a legitimate chance. So the table up top, the top four is shifting. Things aren't turning. And I'm wondering, I was watching a few players today from Atletico Madrid side. Oblak is a shadow of his, himself. You know, we're talking about Ter Stegen and his issues. Equally, he should be criticized as well. This is a team 
that at the very least, when they weren't scoring goals or playing that well, they were resilient. They would kill themselves before allowing the opponent to score. A collective unity, so to speak, that Cholo sort of brought. I don't see that anymore. I don't see that. Uh, maybe in small stages uh, every now and again, but Atleti, if anything, they were so difficult to break down. And it seems to me, especially today from what we saw, that they're not that anymore. And I'm wondering, really, should both of them just say goodbye at the end of the summer? It's not, it's not, Simeone is a fantastic manager, what he's done for this club, but does he need a new challenge now to press the reset button? It happens all the time. It's just such a player-based system, LME, that it only takes three or four wrong players to throw a whole system off, right? We saw this with, with, with Mourinho and his teams that he's built. Cholo Simeone, the same. The mentality you have to have, the, the player recruiting, you have to get right so often. You have to bring them into an environment where there is still this foundation of like, this is how we play no matter what. And if you don't fit within that, you have to make those moves. And I, don't, I just think that you're getting to that edge now where you don't have enough players buying into the system. And when you buy into the system and then the results don't come and you're one of the few that does, then you start to question the system itself. And it creates this perfect storm of players who didn't and the players who are buying in but not getting the results. You start to go, man, that's a recipe for disaster. And I'm wondering if that's the, the, the tipping point for his future there. Do you think uh, Simeone is kind of the modern day Arsene Wenger where like, you know, his philosophy has taken you to a certain extent and now it's time to... Now it's time to rethink specifically because of what the modern game kind of needs. Yeah, but I mean, if you look at uh, the modern day Arsene Wenger or even the modern day uh, Sir, Alec, Sir Alec Ferguson and what he did, the hardest yeah, part is the transition, point. right? The hard, yeah. the hardest part now is you can continue to do what you've always done and you'll get what you always got, right? Which is potentially you think that there's still a trophy around the corner or, or that winning is imminent. But the hard part is now, who do you replace them with? And then how do you make yourself a challenger? And do you have three years or even five years that we're seeing with United and others? Multiple years, like an arsenal. Decades to figure it out from there. And I don't know who, who, who replaces him. And I don't know who sort of, or if he stays, how you rebuild the project. And I think that's the hard part uh, for me is trying to figure out where, where does that transition happen? We've seen it so, I mean, I'm, I'm, tr I'm trying to figure out who has successfully transitioned from legendary managers at a club where the first like well-known manager leaves and it's, I mean, and, and I don't, that's no disrespect to previous managers because there are legendary managers previous, but ones in the modern era where you go, wow, they put in a huge shift at this club. They made it a winning club. Now it's time for them to go because the game is evolving and we need to evolve with it, but who's next, right? Yeah. And how do you confidently do that and transition out? And I think being close to a trophy like they were this year, being the, 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 the current champions and the opportunity to move on past that of saying, Hey, hand the baton, to, the, to continue the project, I think that's your chance. But if you go, like you said, three, four, five years, the Arsene Wenger style, where you just never move away from it, then it feels like you're way down in the dumps by the time you change. And then it's like a lose-lose for the next person that comes in and the players that come in. It just changes the whole vision of the club, I think. Yeah, and it's even harder for Atleti. Welcome, everybody, your new uh, view, everybody viewers that has just jumped in. Uh, weekend recap, Kigo Lasso here with... Heath Pierce, please uh, have a comment, a like, subscribe. We want to hear you. Uh, we want to get questions. We're talking about Atletico Madrid. I really feel, actually, you know what? And I didn't want to do this, Heath, but yeah. Jesse Marsh and Atleti could be kind of an interesting project, to be honest with you. He understands 
the capability of counterattacking, but at the same time, he could bring something new, especially to the young players. Joao Felix is not a Simeone player. Like, I'm sorry, he just isn't. Yeah, <laughs> Des Norris, you're he's telling me I'm drunk. Why not? Why can't know, Jesse Marsh you, you've dream Jesse Marsh. of Atletico Madrid? Wouldn't that be cool as hell? I would love that. What is going on, guys? You got Jimmy saying if if the U.S. beats Honduras, Jesse Marsh takes his job. You've got you trying to put Jesse Marsh into Atletico Madrid. You've got JJ talking about Jesse Marsh to Lyon if they replace. Jess is calling me you drunk. Know, <laughs> you know, I, Jesse Marsh failed at uh, at RB Leipzig. Now. He was very good at RB Salzburg, but he failed at RB Leipzig. Some of it his fault, some of it not his fault. There was a combination yeah. of things of not getting the players and injuries and all those types of things, but clearly felt like he couldn't do what he wanted to do. I love Jesse Marsh as a manager. I think it's great, and I do like your connections to the way the system that he's come from and how you could transition uh, Atletico Madrid into not being so defensive, but being in that counterattacking, gag and press type of football. I think that could do really well and evolve the league in a different way to, to a yeah, different Yeah, and also, of- by the way, Atleti fans will just wait for just the one mistake for him to make and then for him to be gone. No, dude. He's going to yeah. show up there. He's going to be speaking Spanish within three minutes <laughs> and, the local, and the local dialect, uh, and, and they're going to love him for it. And they're yeah. going to at least give him a few months just on his willingness to immerse himself in the culture. Well, it's, you know, it, not as big, but Cholo Simeone has done that Sir Alex Ferguson thing that whoever comes after you, like, you better be um, amazing. Oh, wow. Okay, El Nino Fernando Torres to manage. That would be kind of cool. Uh, it would be interesting. But anyway, it's something to ponder, Atleti fans, about what you think of Cholo, the great Cholo Simeone and what he's done. But maybe it's time to really rethink who you want to be. By the way, Sevilla did drop points against Osasuna. Rakitic missed a penalty in injury time. Oh, that's going to hurt. Uh, but that's La Liga for you. So it's really interesting because now that Barca are fourth, things are getting really, really, really tricky in terms of who is going to get that Champions League. But I still think Real Madrid's going to win this whole thing. I hope that Sevilla really push it harder. But now in terms of getting those Champions League spots, because the Real Betis remain in that spot. Look at that. And now Barcelona, Atleti, even Villarreal, maybe. I don't know. But it's yeah. interesting that Barcelona now undefeated since December 4th are now fourth, Heath Pierce. These top four is really interesting. And Villarreal beat Real Betis today. So they really mean business. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, that's the sad part about Sevilla. There was no Benzema playing for Real Madrid today. And I thought maybe this was the one where Sevilla can win uh, on the weekend and then Real Madrid drop points and then, you know, somehow keep that gap tight where it seems somewhat realistic to be able to stay in that title race. But then being able to squeak out that 1-0 win uh, makes it harder for Sevilla. There's not going to be a lot of room for error just because, again, Real Madrid or Real Madrid. Sevilla have to have their best game regularly. That's a little disappointing for them to drop points in a, in a, in a, in a weekend like this that I actually, like I mentioned already, uh, thought there was a chance with no Benzema. Maybe you don't get the goal production, but they only need one to, to and keep a shutout for them to get all three points. Intriguing indeed. All right, we're going to move on here. And I just realized, look, my screen's a little, there you go, a little straighter. There you go. We're going to move on to Serie A because if we were talking about the top four and how it's kind of tied in a race, Serie A has you, by the way. Unbelievable stuff. I just want to begin. Uh, let's get the standings on the screen there. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Let's start with that because that's, let's that's just talk the, uh, about the actual situation in Italy because we were talking about Spain and how tight it is, but Italy is absolutely crazy. We're going to get to the Milan derby, I promise. But look at this. Inter Milan with a game in hand, um, 53 points. Napoli, 52. Milan, 52. Juventus. Now, Dusan Vlaovic there, 45. And Atalanta, 43. 
Lazio 39. But still, that top four is absolutely crazy. We're going to talk about the Milan derby. Fantastic coverage there from Paramount Plus team, etc. But Juventus beating uh, Verona today. Dusan Vlaovic in less than 15 minutes with a magical goal. And Sicarius, uh, he also scored as well. So January looking very good. Then Milan, as we mentioned, beats Inter Milan. Amazing. Olivier Giroud writes himself into the Rossoneri folklore with two goals. Venezia lose 2-0 to Napoli. Uh, Victor Rossman back to scoring ways, of course. But Atalanta do lose to Cagliari. And next weekend, by the way, Napoli against Inter and Atalanta against Juventus. It's just, it's all... It's all coming down, man. Like, you can go anywhere you want. We can talk Juventus and Dusan, Milan Derby, and everybody watching, tell me your favorite moment from Serie A this weekend. But HB, talk to me about Serie A, how tight it is. Crazy. Yeah, and again, uh, we saw a draw from Roma, which is problematic for them in the weekend where you've got some movement happening, right? And this was one where, again, I go back to February last year. I think it was January, February, when Inter played AC Milan and, and, and Inter ran away with the title from that point on. This was a huge moment. Inter dominated this game. They were be the better team in almost every single way, especially for the first 70 minutes. But a, just a, a, a blip in focus for seven, eight minutes allowed Giroud to get the goals that he needed to put them out in front and now really close this gap. And then Juventus in the form that they're on with Vlaovic, you know, uh, coming into the side and Zakaria, like you said, both of them having an instant impact. And, and it seems like a small deal where you go, oh, look, the ROI, they've already scoring. That's not going to take any time. And I remember you you just tweeted that of like, oh, he's going to, uh, you know, Vlaovic's going to need time to to settle in. What what You weren't saying that, but people saying that um, when you use that into your tweet. But for players like that, stepping in and showing instant impact is a reward, right? It's a feeling. And now you can run on that from a momentum standpoint where the players on the field go, okay, now we got more firepower. And those players come in less nervous, they're more settled in, and they can turn that into something positive where that could turn into some serious momentum for Juventus that we haven't seen so far. Yeah, they've been in good form um, as of late, but you know, Juventus that we've known going trying to win Champions League titles and the Juventus of you know the last 12 months are, are two different things. And that gap could close uh, pretty quickly with a little bit of uh, a run of form here. And of course, the Champions League, who knows now with Dusan Vlaovic? I mean, he is a legitimate world-class striker, okay? He really is. And now that added offensive firepower is really going to help them. So questions for everybody out there, you throw it to me. But A, can Juventus get that Champions League spot, okay? And B, how far can they go in the Champions League, I wonder, uh, by the way. But uh, hey, by the way, Joseph Mourinho, you're talking about Roma. He was mad, man, after the game. He had a pop at soccer, <laughs> at soccer, complaining about uh, Sagnolo uh, sending off. He said, this is what he said. He said, it's no longer football, maybe soccer, as they call it in the United States. If the referee made a mistake and had to validate the goal, then he will be the first not to be happy. And for Roma, it is deja vu because it's happened to us many times. First of all, why are you getting, what? What are you talking about? Like, Look, can I just say something? Listen, everybody out there, if you're watching and you're not in the States, and I'm not American, I'm just going to tell you this. England gave America the word soccer, okay? Mm -hmm. That's what he told, that's what English people told Americans to call the game. This, this is not a creation from America. So whenever you say call it football, it's not a word that Americans created. I just want to yeah. get that clear, okay? And now, Mourinho, about, uh, yeah, he definitely rules himself out of an MLS job, he fears, I think. Yeah, I mean, look, the U.S. has done a lot of bad things to bat to places in the world, right? We no we are no to blame doubt. for a number 
a number of things, but we can't be the blame for Mourinho's problems in Syria right now. You know, even though we are talking about an American ownership group. In fact, he probably made the, he probably made the ownership group mad uh, for making comments like that, you know, but now yeah, he's definitely ruled himself out of uh, MLS job. Having said that, if he were to put his hand up, he'd probably be taken immediately with a record, a record sized um, contract. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a weird correlation to put but i feel like at at night when he's like sitting in his bed and he just writes down these things of like what could i say uh you know what could i what could i do you know how could i make this uh a, a not about me and so it, it's one of the yeah you know i just look at it and i go you know it's fine yeah uh like uh yeah it's just it's just bizarre to me it's funny uh to, to, to somehow loop the u.s into Something we've got nothing to do with, but what do I know? You know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, listen, whatever. He's just mad. He wants to be mad at everything. All right, let me ask you this very quickly. Then the same question that I asked everybody, Heath Pierce, like Juventus, like how far do you see them going, by the way? Because Inter, even though they lost this weekend, they have a game in hand. Do you still see them holding on to that title? Um, but do you think that Juventus can really have a claim? And as, of course, uh, the Champions League as well. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Juventus have a, a legitimate chance in the title fight, but they could be the team that upsets the top two in those matchups that has some sort of effect on this title race. I mean, Juventus are so good right now. And the fact that they landed Vlaovic when he could have pretty much gone anywhere and there was plenty of places that could have been attractive, right? You think about the future of him and he could have been a replacement for Lewandowski at Bayern Munich for the future, Barcelona, Real Madrid. There's a number of clubs that he could have gone to and he chose Juventus and a lot of people could feel that that's the lazy route or not the biggest risk, but having him on the team certainly makes their chances of going deep uh, in the champions league as well as again, I don't think there's a title race in them. I think they'd have to go too perfect uh, to, to, to win a title race, but I certainly think that they could play spoiler to teams that are in the title race, as I mentioned before, um, uh, Luis, that that they could be the ones that finish in the top three, finish it even in the top two, could spoil uh, the party for for people along the way and kind of have that type of power where they're going into next season as a legitimate title contender. Yeah, no, absolutely. The one thing's for certain, though, the Serie A title race is really interesting especially the top four as well and as i mentioned next weekend napoli against inter atalanta against juventus and of course you can only watch it on paramount plus get that seven day free trial all right well listen that's it i only have for you heath pierce's final thoughts from everything that we haven't discussed i mean psg did their number on Lille, mm -hmm. Bayern against leipzig that was a 3-2 game Uh, and 153 days later, Gio Reyna makes his return for Dortmund off the bench. And Mestaya gives David Silva a standing ovation. And the Club World Cup, the semis are set. And uh, Monterrey are not there. So, um, oh, we do have a question for the chat as well for you mm -hmm. before we say goodbye. How is the top four finishing in Italy? Make sure that you tell us that. But any final thoughts from anything that we mentioned to Heath Pierce before we say goodbye? Uh, well, PSG put a beating on Lille. The upside is that uh, Timo Weah started again for, for anybody that was has been following along the Kegelasso podcast over the last 10 days. Our biggest worry is playing time. You know, again, having Gio Reyna back uh, in, in a side that also took a beating uh, by five goals to two uh, from, from uh, Leverkusen. But to have him back is great. There was some good performances. Yunus Musa continues to play, which I think is also great. Uh, Bundesliga is boring. Bayern won 3-2 uh, over, over Leipzig. But Uh, the biggest thing to me, by the way, is the Club World Cup semifinals. You have, I believe it is the 
the well, Egyptian club to, that yeah, are yeah. missing uh, that are are missing some of the players that are playing for Egypt, and somehow they've been able to navigate and manage their way um, to a semifinal, which is pretty awesome. And hopefully, they have their players uh, back in the squad. But yeah, that's that's pretty much it uh, for me. Other than the fact, by the way, in Syria, because of the fact that Atalanta lost to Cagliari. Cagliari uh, now our boys, the American Venezia, are in big trouble in the league uh, after losing to Napoli, are now down in the relegation zone, and it's not looking great, even though they had picked up Nani in the transfer window. Yeah, and we're getting all your answers here, your replies to what you think will be the top four in Serie A. And I've already read from two, Dan and Natalie, I believe, uh, neither one picked Inter. Mm. They feel like Inter will be Lacking down. I'm not so I love sure. that. I think Inter win the league, but like I, I I would love to see that not happen. No, me too. I think Inter will win the league, but I would like to see those kind of narratives because I did predict, I think you were with me on this one as well, that I thought AC Milan were actually going to win it. Uh, but, you know, maybe yeah. that win did something for them this past weekend. And I so, but they got dominated. It's hard to really – even now, the AC Milan side, it's just really hard it's to see fine, man. that it's being – the thing that gets them a, a trophy is like finding seven minutes in the second half to beat uh, the top teams or anybody at, at that rate in that type of performance and win a trophy. Yeah, absolutely. The only final thought that I have actually removes itself from the men's game and the women's game. Just if you can just watch uh, Viv Miedema's assist for Arsenal this weekend, it was ridiculous. Like one of the best assists I've seen in a very long time. That's the only final thought I have. But anyway, Hey, you wait, wait, wait. Before, yeah. you, before you sign off, can I tell you a quick little anecdote on Viv Miedema? Yeah, tell me. We, before the, before the uh, Women's World Cup, I went and spent some time out in London, and we got, I, I got to hang out at her house, and they were telling me that they host a, uh, a Halloween party that is, that is one for the ages, that it's, it was three Arsenal players living together, and yeah. that they throw this huge Halloween party that I haven't been invited to, but I remember her telling me the story with such excitement and in their living room, they said they would come back from training every day and they would play pickup like with a mini ball, uh, two against two if somebody was over or one against one in their house and they would play matches against each other. It was kind of just kind of a cool thing to see a I, day in their life. Uh, I kind of feel this needs so to be awesome. like the real world Arsenal women's. I feel like well, instead of all or nothing, the men's side, because that will be a whole whatever. Do this side. The Halloween party. We need an invite yeah. to that. Man. Also, she had also. I don't know if it was the the golden boot. I don't know if it was that. I think it was league MVP trophy. Just casually hanging up in there and like standing up on their kitchen table. And it was massive. She just had it there just to walk around, man. It was unbelievable. Ridiculous talent. Absolutely. Watch that assist, please. I I beg of you, everybody. But anyway, that's it. That's our Kigo Lasso weekend recap. LME here, Heath Pierce. Make sure to follow him on Twitter. And, of course, Instagram. And, by the way, USMNT Hour is tomorrow as well, on Monday as well. And we have a lot of content. Uh, Fabrizio Romano will return. We're hopefully going to do a Q&A with him. So if you have some questions for Fabrizio Romano, tweet us. Golasso pod. And we'll be able to hopefully answer those questions. And we got plenty more content this coming week with interviews, uh, some fun interviews that are coming up as well. And, of course, the final week before Champions League return. So we have a lot of coverage. But Heath, I'm glad you're home. I'm glad you're happy, buddy. Thank you for being here. Uh, thank you so much, buddy. As always, man, I appreciate you. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. It's good to see you again. It's good to see you too, buddy. Uh, missed everybody and miss you. And thank you for being part of the family. Have a great rest of your evening. We'll be back on Monday. Enjoy whatever it is you're doing on Sunday evening. Till then, have a good one. And we will see you next time. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.